Hello, and welcome to Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information to help you achieve a successful retirement. I'm your co-host, John McComb, and it's my pleasure to join Lori Pinkowski every two weeks to talk about financial and estate planning, travel, hobbies, and so much more. Whether you are planning for retirement or already living your retirement dreams, Ready, Set, Retire is for you. Lori, many of us only think about our income and taxes come tax time, which is typically the four months leading up to the April 30th filing deadline. But we should be looking at our finances much more often than that. Exactly, John. Tax planning should be a year-round affair. But as year-end approaches, now is particularly a good time to review your finances and really take advantage of any income and tax planning opportunities that may be available to you before the end of the year. So today on Ready, Set, Retire, we'll talk about the end-of-year income and tax planning. We'll talk about registered plan contributions and withdrawals tax loss selling, deferring capital gains, income splitting, and charitable donations. So what retirement planning aspects need to be considered when preparing for year-end tax? Well, I think it's a good time to remind all our listeners to think about their registered accounts. So that's RSPs, TFSAs, RESPs, and of course, the new first home savings account as well. And I'll kind of go into those. So for RSP contributions, the deadline is actually February 29th of 2024. However, I do believe if you have cash on the sidelines sitting there or even stock, whatever you plan to contribute, earlier is always better. So you're getting that tax-free growth as soon as possible. And the same goes with your tax-free savings account contributions. You definitely want to contribute to that. You want to max it out. It's great for estate planning. It's, It's flexible. You have tax-free growth year over year, and you're able to take the money out whenever you want, and there's no tax consequences. And then for estate planning purposes, you're able to give it to whoever you want without triggering any tax. And in 2024, everybody should know that the TFSA contribution limit is going to be increased from $6,500 to $7,000. So that's good news. And again, it's not that you have a deadline by the end of the year that you have to contribute, but it's something that you want to think about and make sure that you're maxing it out if possible. And you were going to talk about that new registered plan that's come in regarding buying a house? Yeah, exactly. So if you have adult children, you can help them by gifting them funds to contribute towards their first home savings account, or you can educate them as well. You know, if they have their own money, doesn't mean you have to fund everything that they do. Hopefully they're on their own and working hard, but this is a way to early gift as well is what we're finding a lot of clients are looking at. And so the FHSA is like a combination of an RSP and a tax-free savings account. Those contributions can reduce taxable income, like RSP contributions will. However, you also don't have to pay taxes on the withdrawal when the funds are used towards the purchase of a qualifying home. So again, there's a few I's to dot and T's to cross when you're withdrawing those funds to buy a home. But it is definitely a great account that people should be looking at for their adult children or for people who are looking to buy a home and have not bought one before. There's an $8,000 annual contribution limit and a $40,000 lifetime contribution limit. And again, the government is doing this to encourage people to save money to be able to buy a home. Again, in Vancouver, this almost seems like a far off dream for many people because the prices still remain so high. 
The other account that I quickly mentioned was RESPs. And so those are for education. Again, if you contribute before the end of the year deadline, uh, which is December 31st, remember you're going to get a grant up to 20% or $500 on a contribution of $2,500 per child or grandchild. So you do have that end of year deadline for the FHSA as well as the RESP. So those are two that you should be thinking about as well at this time. You mentioned uh, making RRSP contributions uh, just off the top of the show. Is it possible to have too much in your RRSPs? Yes, it is, John. We've been taught and hit over the head with the idea you got to max out your RSP contributions your entire life. And then there's a point later on in life and you're like, why do I have so much of my RSP or my RIF account? And, and what do I do about it? So there's additional planning that goes into that. Definitely for our clients, we're looking at, you know, what is their income this year? Should we be taking out more out of their RSP or RIF to help dwindle it down slowly over time because with registered plans, RSPs and RIFs, if you pass away, it rolls over to a spouse if you have one. So that's fine. But on the second death of a spouse, that's where all the problems occur. And there's a whole lot of tax, especially if you have an RSP that's three, four, five hundred, six hundred thousand, 600,000, which people do, you're going to be subject to over 50% in tax on a lot of that money. So again, the idea is, is should we be taking out more? before year end. And so we spend a whole lot of time, my team, in figuring that out for people. And so there is that idea that you may go over that OAS clawback threshold, which a lot of people don't like. But if you look at the greater good (laughs) for trying to dwindle it down for estate planning purposes, keeping more in the family, sometimes the OAS isn't as important. But, you know, a lot of people are subject to that clawback, unfortunately. Now, I'm going to be uh, 71 in the next year, in 2024, and there's uh, something that happens when you turn 71 involving your money, and I think it is you have to take a whack of it out. So the situation is, is when you're 71, in the year that you turn 71, you have to turn your RSP into a RIF by the end of the year, so another year-end tip. And so we get that list kind of earlier on, and so we're contacting clients saying, we've got to convert your RSP to a RIF. However, you don't have to start withdrawing funds till you're 72. So some people decide to take that income monthly. Some people want to take it quarterly. Some people don't need it and want to take it just on an annual basis. So they wait till the end of their 72nd year in December to actually take out that money. So depending on everyone's financial situation, that's how we will advise them what they should be taking and when. And so some people are just taking the minimum, which we were talking about. Or some people will need more for their income on a monthly basis. So it's definitely a client-by-client question. But you're right, 71, we got to turn it into a riff and get ready for that 72nd year. Often we hear about selling investments at a loss near the end of the year as a tax strategy. How does that work? Yeah, well, if you've realized gains this year or during prior three years, it may be beneficial to sell investments with accrued losses in your non-registered account accounts before a year and to help offset some of those capital gains. Even if you sold a piece of real estate and you had a capital gain there, like a rental property, you can use some of your losses. You can trigger some of those in order to put towards those gains that you had. 
And then as well, when you're thinking about taking it three years back, so everybody remembers the bear market of 2022, so not a whole lot of gains were being had. However, you go back to 2021, and a lot of people did have gains. So if you trigger some losses today, you might be able to apply them back to some of those previous years and get some money back. So that's an important discussion. What we do in the office is we're looking at gains and losses for clients, as well as in the legacy portfolios. And looking at whether we will trigger some losses for the year, whether it makes sense for each client's particular situation, as well as in the portfolios. Again, because we're active managers, we don't have a whole lot of losses at the end of the year. We're dealing with it throughout the year. So again, there are situations where some people, for example, have, say, inherited stock and they have a large capital gain. So therefore, we want to trigger a loss just to help them out. Or again, the sale of real estate, as we talked about. So there's a few few different reasons why we would do that. And uh, this is a year that you want to be looking at it. And this is the time of year in December that we are evaluating gains and losses for clients. On the other hand, would it be beneficial to defer capital gains? Yeah, this is another good strategy to think about that, you know, we are often dealing with at the end of the year is when We have stocks that may be in a good profit position. A good example for us is Meta, Facebook, we're up over 50% on it. And we do want to take a profit at some point for various reasons. And we are waiting until the beginning of next year so that we don't trigger that gain before the end of the year. And often we also see a Santa Claus rally towards the end of the year. So again, a stock like that would likely participate. So it's something we think about if we're triggering a sell at this time, whether we want to be waiting another two to three weeks just so that we can defer the capital gain for clients until the following year, right? It just makes sense that markets are strong right now. And in my opinion, getting stronger towards the end of the year and into next year. So there's no rush to take a profit at this point, in my opinion, anyway. Okay. So what are some ways that a family can reduce their taxes for the year? Income splitting can be one of the most effective ways to save tax for you and your spouse. This works especially well if one spouse earns significantly more than the other spouse does. It allows a higher income spouse to shift up to 50% of their eligible pension income to the lower income spouse. And since the lower income spouse is in a lower tax bracket, the income allocated to them will be subject to a lower amount of tax. So of course, that's tax savings for the whole household. And reallocating some of that income, so when you think of RIF payments and things like that, which we were just talking about, Maybe it can get you back that OAS, right? You get to maybe you're farther away from that clawback if you simply reallocate some of that income. And in most cases, if you're under 65, you're only going to be able to split the payments you directly receive from a registered pension plan. If you're over 65, in addition to the registered pension plan, other pension income such as LIF and RIF payments are also eligible for income splitting. So another way to reduce your income taxes is also by making charitable donations. And it actually doesn't totally matter which spouse does it. Just make sure that it's a registered charity. And also you have to owe tax in order for charitable donations to make sense because it's actually almost like a tax credit off of the amount of taxes you owe. So if you don't owe any taxes, then it doesn't help you. It helps the charity, of course. But if you're doing this for tax planning purposes and you want to think about that. So what is the amount of the tax credit on charitable donations? Well, there's two charitable tax credit rates for both federal and provincial. 
And any eligible amount you give over $200 qualifies you for a higher rate. And the federal charitable tax credit is about 15% on the first 200, 29% on the remaining. The provincial charitable tax credit is about 5% on the first $200 and 16.8% on the remaining $800. Wow, I'm getting real detailed here, John. Uh, <laughs> however, you know, to kind of put the province, it in... province is obviously cheaper than the federal government is on this particular Yes, that's issue. true. That's true. Um, however, when you combine both for a thousand dollar donation, it's like the charitable tax credit would be just over four hundred dollars. So, if that puts that into kind of better perspective for people, so again, you know, we've talked about charitable giving on Ready Set Retire. I've talked about it on the radio. It's important for obviously our community as well as those in need. And so, I definitely encourage charitable giving towards the end of the year, especially those who owe any amount of tax, really, because you can reduce your tax bill and help others. So it's something to think about and talk to a financial advisor about. Like all wealth planning, tax planning is not simply a one-and-done exercise. Instead, it should involve ongoing annual planning and reviews with your wealth and tax professionals, considering your particular facts and circumstances as they change and evolve. You know, there's certainly a lot to think about when it comes to tax planning. That's why it often makes sense to, you know, talk to an accountant who can really look at your situation and help determine if any year in moves make sense for you. Often for our team, we're in contact with those accountants. Sometimes it can get lost in a game of telephone, John. If we have the client calling the accountant and relaying the message to us, we prefer to talk to the accountants directly. And there's some calculations we're just doing ourselves as well because we're able to. I have a financial planner on the team, as you know. And it just makes sense. So again, we go over and above in terms of this kind of planning than most financial advisory teams, that's for sure. But it's really a vital part to your overall financial situation that we are looking at it for clients and really making sure that we're hitting those deadlines and making sure that we're doing what we need to be doing at the end of the year. And so just out of curiosity, what kind of conversations would you have with uh, someone's accountant, especially around tax time? Well, it could be around their income. So if they have income from various sources. We need that information. For example, if we are going to be taking out more from a RIF or RSP this year, we need to know there are other sources of income. So that's information we wouldn't have. So that is important. And also just in terms of RSP contributions, like I said, we're trying not to wait until the deadline. So just having those conversations throughout the year, talking to accountants, you know, what is their recommendation for how much we should contribute? And this often is a conversation between financial planner, accountant, as well as myself, just to make sure, again, we're hitting the right amount. TFSA contributions, we're talking about that all year round too, whenever we're having reviews. And then we have a lot of clients that are on the automatic list for tax-free savings account contributions. So in the first week and two of January, we're making sure that everyone's TFSAs are maxed out to the amount that we're allowed. And then the other thing that we spend a lot of time doing even in January is just getting everyone's income in line. So remember, what you are going to be taking out of your RIF is determined by the value of December 31st. That percentage is calculated 
on that date. And so we find out early in January what those amounts are going to be. And so remember, as a client, you may be expecting a certain dollar amount that you're getting. And so we have to, you know, have a bit of an excess RIF withdrawal or RSP in order to come up with that actual amount that you're expecting in your bank account every month or every two weeks. So there's a lot of planning that we are doing as a team early on in January. And that's, again, things behind the scenes that uh, maybe as a client, you, you wouldn't know, but that's exactly what we're doing. We're making sure that all our I's are dotted and T's are crossed in terms of retirement planning, tax planning, all those sorts of things. All right. We always wrap up Ready, Set, Retire with a quote. And this is the last Ready, Set, Retire of 2023. So what kind of a thought are you going to leave us with as the year end approaches? The end goal for tax planning is to keep more of what you make. (laughs) It's it's a constant battle, isn't it? It, it, It's an uphill battle is what it is. We want to keep more in your family's pockets than CRA. That is the goal. Don't tell CRA. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, happy holidays, John. It's been a great year. Ready, set, retire again. And looking forward to many more episodes in 2024 and looking forward to uh, the bull market as it arrives. Absolutely. And uh, thank you for everything this year. It's always a blast to do Ready, Set, Retire with you. And uh, we'll do much more in 2024. And you've looked into the future and it looks like this little recovery that we're having could be, could be, beginning of a new bull market. We hope so at least, and we'll be here to follow it along no matter what it does in 24. So have a great holiday and we'll talk to you in the new year. You as well, John. Thank you. And that's a wrap for this week's edition of Ready, Set, Retire. If you're interested in learning more or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management, 604-695-LORI, 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening and join us again in two weeks for another edition of Ready, Set, Retire. The comments and opinions expressed in this podcast are the result of work done by Lori Pinkowski. They may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuity's research and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord's beliefs, opinions, or recommendations. All views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp., member of the CIPF and IROC.